What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? We've got the brains. Patrick Mahomes has the bronze. Welcome to another edition of the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. My name is Matt Connor. I'm here with Sterling Holmes. Our producer, Richard, is behind the scenes. How are, how's everyone today? Whoever wants to speak up. Sterling, I'm you doing, I'm doing good, man. I, I'm thriving. I'm surviving. I have six hours of talking radio or podcast a day. So we're doing good. A lot of honey at the end of the night. You're just going just to crush some honey and some hot tea. Going to be beautiful. Do you mean honey is in like the squeezable bee product or do you mean yes. like the dance film or is that even like a euphemism for something else we shouldn't be talking about on the air? Mm, all three. I don't know. I'll, I'll let you think about that one. What about Mariah Carey's honey? That's a good honey. Oh, I could, I could do some of that. It's, it's oh, Christmas season oh, too. Mariah can or Mariah Carey's now finally, I mean, not, not finally, but she becomes real relevant at this point. Oh yeah. Man, I, she is relevant. She is relevant. Uh, speaking of, uh, Nick Cannon, I don't know why I just thought of Nick Cannon. Yeah. I've got nothing to say about Nick Cannon. That said, that segues nicely into KC beer is one of the greatest sponsors we could possibly have. Sterling, why don't you take it from here? Uh, well, Matt is, I don't know what's going on with Matt Connor right now. KC beer co. I do know what's going on with it is the best beer you are going to have. KC Beer Company brews with only four ingredients and they brew their beer according to the Bavarian Beer Purity Law of 1516. Malt, hops, water, yeast. It is absolutely delicious. Any kind of beer you want, you're going to like it. And not just like it, you're going to love it. I tell you, when when we say we enjoy their beer, it's not just because they sponsor us. Part of that's true, but it's because it's so good. All the folks that have tried it have always posted and said, you know what? You were right. This beer is incredible. So Casey Beer Co. dare to beer different. Love it. Love it so much. We have a lot to talk about today. We've got breakdown from a win that was big, but not like all that inspiring in, in a weird way. We've got a big showdown coming up. The Chiefs have made multiple additions this week to both the roster and the personal roster of Mahomes. I want to talk about a few wrinkles in between. So Sterling, there's a lot to go on here, but let's start with some of the additions, if you will. And uh, like, I just want to, I mean, first of all, congratulations to the Mahomes family. Like, like, like when you see that, I don't, like, I don't know. It's like, it's kind of heartening just to see, you know, we're watching Patrick grow year after year. And now we're watching him 
grow into a family man. I mean, it just feels like a whole, is there a familial thing going on for you here? What do you think of that? It's exciting. I try not to delve too much into the personal life of athletes. I I just think it's one of those things where it should be separate. Understand they're humans. Understand that they're a lot of them are family members and they and their their parents, their their brothers, sisters, um, dads, all that all that stuff. I understand, but at some point, I like to have some sort of privacy. So I understand when Mahomes and, 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 and Brittany Mahomes they don't take pictures of the baby's face. I completely get that. The one thing I thought was hilarious. The bronze, you know, necklace. I'm sitting here going, that baby is already richer than me. That bronze little necklace is worth more than my entire life. I'm like, congratulations, baby. You have no idea what you've gotten into. (laughs) That baby is more popular than than we'll ever be, too. It'll be interesting to watch, you know, like it was so funny. There were so many hilarious takes on Twitter about like like I saw Saints fans going and with the whatever pick in the 2040 draft. And then I saw like Broncos fans do the same. And then I, like I saw three teams instantly respond with there's our future quarterback, you know, then of course chiefs kingdom was saying the same thing, you know, making the same overtures or whatever, Um, you know, how much love there is for the Mahomes family just shows how much love there is for Patrick and what he's done on the field and what he's meant to this team. And, and the way they've ingratiated themselves in the community is like part owners of, of different teams or just civic engagement with 15 and the Mahomes, whatever. Yeah. I, I just think it's great. I just think it's great. Let's get into some of the player additions. I want to yeah. talk yeah. mostly, uh, obviously Brian Edwards, let's, let's get to him in a second, but let's start with Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon was joked about. I would say when he was released from the Denver Broncos, you would see some stuff on Twitter and it was pretty much all jokes. Like we don't want Melvin Gordon. We don't want Butterfingers. Well, he's now a Kansas city chief signed to the practice squad. Some of my initial takeaways are what he did in Denver. He was still relatively efficient. The fumbles in the red zone were a major issue though. While he did at one point go to the coaching staff and basically demand more playing time, he's not going to do that in Kansas City. One, Hackett and Russell Wilson are not Andy Reid and Mahomes. Also, Melvin Gordon is knowing what he's signing up for. He signed to the practice squad. He didn't sign, I'm sure there was some sort of of well thought out process when he signed what, what was laid out for him. If an injury occurs, you'll be the next in line, but I don't see Melvin Gordon all of a sudden coming here and being like, oh, I'm not getting 15, 20 touches a game. I'm going to pout. That's not going to happen here. No, I, I, f- I found this very interesting. One, I wrote a giant, I re- like I wrote a whole essay about why the chiefs should not go after Melvin Gordon right after he was released. So, you know, clearly someone or probably everyone in the Chiefs front office think differently than I do about Melvin Gordon. That's fine. I mean, I'm happy to be wrong about Melvin Gordon if he becomes a productive member of of this roster. That said, anyone who signs with the practice squad is a long shot of a long shot. You know, we're talking Corey Coleman's of the world at wide receiver. We're talking, you know, we're talking Jordan Franks as a tight end. I mean, we're like – most of us forget 95% of the players who were ever on the practice squad for the chiefs. And so that should both like that shall, that should tell us something about any excitement we want to have for Brian Edwards 
Um, and that should also tell us something about Melvin Gordon. Um, so look, let, let's, uh, let's, we know this Melvin Gordon has serious fumble issues. Melvin Gordon has a lot of traction, like a lot of tread off of the proverbial tires too. You know, he's older. He's, he's had a lot of action through a lot of years in the AFC West. Um, three, he's averaging a career low 3.5 yards per carry on the ground. So he doesn't even look as devastating there as he did. But what you just brought up is, is there anyone looking good on the Broncos offensively right now? Like, like it starts up front in the trenches. That line is atrocious. Hackett, like the coaching staff is doing them no favors. Russ Wilson's passing game is not making anyone respect them, beating them over the top. And so maybe you do have to take this whole year of Melvin Gordon's as a mulligan and go, sorry, you got to ignore that. And clearly that's what Veach and them are hoping for. Well, I would also say Melvin Gordon can pass catch better than Ronald Jones, as well as Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, obviously, Jerick McKinnon is in that role right now. Jerick McKinnon is more explosive. He's better. But again, you can never have too much depth. You always want to keep about four running backs, three active, but probably four running backs total just based on the amount of beating that goes on in any given season. We saw with Clyde, Jerick McKinnon in the past. How much do you trust a rookie as the season goes on? There's so many different scenarios. I understand bringing in a depth piece, a veteran, someone who could basically fill in for Clyde. Melvin Gordon fills Clyde Edwards a layer of role pretty good. Wouldn't you say he can pass catch, uh, doesn't necessarily excel at anything, but a well-rounded player. It would be easy to plug and play. I don't have a major issue with this. I don't think he's going to get a ton of snaps. I think he's strictly there as an insurance piece. And in my opinion, a solid insurance piece. Someone sure. that you hope doesn't get the ball in the red zone. <laughs> Look, if you take it on the surface for what it is, an upgrade from Wayne Gallman, I'll take it. I'll totally take it, and, and that sounds good. Um, do you think – let me ask you this. Let's say Clyde gets healthy. Ron Jones is still there. McKenna Pacheco and then Gordon sitting there on the practice squad. If you had to give some odds – or let's say a percent chance. What is the percent chance that we actually see Melvin Gordon getting touches and on the active roster in a regular season game this year? 65, 70%. I, I do think we see Melvin Gordon at oh, some do? point this okay. year. I, I, I'm not going to say a lot. I don't think he's getting you know a ton of carries. I don't think he leapfrogs anyone necessarily, but maybe in a certain matchup, uh, he takes Ronald he takes Ronald Jones' place. Maybe in a certain matchup, they rest Jarek McKinnon, hopefully getting him 100% for the playoffs, and they can unleash Jarek McKinnon. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, this probably tells me his injury is fairly serious. Maybe they don't expect him back for a while. Not only that, Clyde wasn't necessarily impressing a whole bunch. This could it be the end of the Clyde Edwards-Alaire era in, in Kansas City. I'm not saying it's for sure done, but at least for this year. Again, I'm not expecting a lot from Melvin Gordon, but I, I do expect him to probably get a, a carry, be uh, activated for a game or two, not this week, but maybe in the second Broncos matchup, right? Let him have some of that revenge game. Sure. Sure. I, I'll add this about, I'll bet I'll add this about Melvin Gordon. And, and if you think of the last two or three postseason runs, there has been a pass catching running back catch fire and take over in a way that surprised everyone. I'm talking Damian Williams. I'm talking Jerick McKinnon. We've seen those kind of players rise to the occasion 
because the team shifts in the postseason and really utilizes them as opponents lock down Kelsey and or Tyreek and someone else had to emerge. Gordon gives you insurance in case McKinnon can't do it again, in case he gets tired, in case there's even a minor injury to have to work through. That sort of roll out of the backfield is huge. And, of course, no one's more aware of his fumbling issues than Melvin himself. So, you know, there's something to be said for, you know, hey, he's got a golden opportunity here if he doesn't want to blow it. Um, You know, there he goes. Let me ask you this. Um, First of all, um, appreciate Anthony Arvin out there throwing us a super chat. Anthony, hope you're doing well, by the way. Um, Can the Broncos shift the money that they spent on Let's Ride? I just love it. That will never stop. To a different department, if he were to retire, because his wind caught a, because his ride caught a flat or wind shear, uh, yeah, I'll give that to you, Sterling. I, I just love that Verderim went on that long rant, and it's so true. Yeah, they are so screwed. I mean, the Broncos have not beaten Kansas City since 2015, and it's legitimately possible with Russell Wilson's contract and the structure of that team, the the draft picks given up, the contract that was handed out to Russell Wilson, they might not win in a, in a full decade. It legitimately might be over a decade before the Denver Broncos would have beaten Kansas City. That's not asinine. That's not a hot take. That's how bad the situation is in Denver. It was lost when after the, the loss that they had, it may have been the Colts, I forget who it was, and Russell Wilson was going off and he patted the podium and goes, let's ride. <laughs> it was over then, man. It was over. You you lose the entire locker room. You saw Purcell just this past week getting up in his grill and Crazy. Russell Wilson doesn't give him the time of day. Doesn't look over Purcell. Doesn't acknowledge. It's like, dude, show some stones. Like yeah. this defense line is getting in your grill. Get back. Show some heat. Show that you care, that you want to be there. I have some very fun stats I can do at the end of the show that uh, compare Russell Wilson to another quarterback, one that's been benched, and I think it could be very funny to do. But we'll wait till the end to do that. But there's my Russell Wilson early take right there. Thank you, Anthony. I appreciate the super chat. Uh, Matt Connor. let's get back to it. Another edition, Brian Edwards, what do you make of this? Yeah, so look, Brian Edwards, uh, just for the sake of review, right after the Chiefs signed Melvin Gordon to the practice squad, then a couple hours later, news slips through, the Chiefs signed Brian Edwards. Now, he'll be, he'll be familiar to some of you out there, uh, or maybe more, uh, because he was a former Raiders wide receiver, former third-round pick, uh, I think in 2020, uh, played sparingly his first year. But in his second year, he had just under 600 yards, um, in 2021, he had like three touchdowns, maybe 37-ish uh, catches. I could look that up. So you've got a guy who showed like moderate production uh, in a Raiders offense. And then for some reason, the Raiders didn't want to keep paying or you know keep developing him into his third year where he may have become a decent target alongside Hunter Renfro. And then, you, and then later on, they would trade for Devontae Adams. Uh, They flipped him to the Atlanta Falcons for a fifth-round pick, and they included a seventh. So if you're thinking, how valuable is this guy? Just know the Falcons traded up two rounds in the draft to get him. So it's it's not like it cost them a lot, but they also didn't give him much of a chance. After, what, six, seven games, they waved him, and then now he's with with the Chiefs. 
I think this play is all about, um, and and this is what we'll talk about in a couple of months. Remember, toward the end of the season, NFL players can sign what are called futures deals, and it's all about getting guys onto like next year's offseason roster. They're guys who you find interesting and you need a long offseason look at them. They're guys who you want to put with your conditioning staff and give them like your training plan to see if they can get healthy. So a lot of times it's flyers on guys who just have never worked out for whatever reason in a certain coaching scheme or because they've been injured and haven't ever gotten healthy and you're the team taking a chance on them. I think the Chiefs added Edwards to the roster now to have a leg up on then offering him a futures deal. Like, I think it's all about the 2023 play. I think it has really nothing to do with this year. What, like, what did you think of that signing? Yeah, th- that's a very astute observation. I think that's probably the most realistic one as well. It's a depth piece. Again, you can't have too much depth. Uh, maybe this screams they don't have a ton of faith in Cornell Powell. Uh, maybe this screams they don't know how much faith they have in some other wide receivers and practice squad. You know, Juju's going to be back fully healthy, I would assume, with no snap count limitations this upcoming week. MVS has made a few nice catches. He, he's still obviously involved. Uh, Kadarius Tony, we'll see how much that injury really plays a role. McCall Hardman, maybe this means the four weeks might not even be enough. Maybe McCall Hardman, uh, the abdomen illness was, I think, what it was initially labeled as, lingers longer than four weeks. But Brian Edwards is a guy who's played in NFL games. I get it. It's just a depth piece. I, I think, again, it comes down to how healthy is Kadarius, how healthy is McCole Hardman once the, the, you know, the four weeks are up. Justin Watson played 84% of snaps last week against the L.A. Rams. Nice seeing him get involved. Again, it's a depth piece signing, and I don't hate it. it by the way, the Chiefs have a type now. Remember, we got a lot bigger this offseason. 6'3". Edwards, Edwards is 6'3", about 210, 212. So, again, it's another guy who fits that type. If it works out, it works out. Former third rounder. We'll see what happens there. Um, by the way, before we go into a little bit more, and I, I want to I talk a few more things here personnel-wise, but we'd be silly if we didn't tell you guys just for a second. We're coming to Kansas City. Sterling, myself, Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam, lots of folks behind the scenes. Richard's going to be there. Um, Richard, are you there? You're going to be there, right? Why are you making him come on right now? Richard I says want, no. I just Richard want to throw said him no. Curveball right now. I just want to throw him a curveball right now. Richard, Rich, we have a text messaging system, and Richard said no, and I'm oh. very sad because I planned on having I the worst mustache there. Yeah, that was that was a big buzzkill, Richard. Good job, Matt. Way to make people oh. not come anymore. I know. I'm sorry. Well, if you want to see everyone and and the ghost of Richard, um, hey, we're gonna be hanging out at Tanner's Bar and Grill in Kansas City. Uh, coming up on December 11th for a watch party for the Chiefs at Denver. Uh, Hopefully we'll get to see them clinch the AFC West for the seventh consecutive year. I just can't get over how dominant the Chiefs have been over their rivals. Um, So, yeah, we're going to be hanging out. Look, our buddies at KC Beer are going to be there. There's going to be all kinds of free stuff. There's going to be prizes. They have great food at Tanner's already as it is. Uh, we're going to be doing a pregame and a postgame show live on scene. There'll be raffle for all kinds of good stuff. Look, if you want good drinks, good times, good hangouts with us, we would love to meet as many of you as we can in person. It, like it just, it's always so great. Anytime we meet someone random who says, 
hey, I listen or I read and 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 um, I don't know, just put a face with a name and some of the commenters. So I hope to see you guys there. I hope everyone else does too. Um, for all the details, check out arrowheadaddict.com slash events. That's arrowheadaddict.com slash events. Um, back to the Chiefs, Sterling. I just want to ask you this. Patrick Mahomes looked like the runaway for MVP, but I just want to talk a little bit about Jalen Hurts is having a hell of a season for a Philadelphia Eagles team that looks really good. Um, it's hard not to appreciate what he is and what he's doing. How real is that race to you? Is that more than a two-man race? There's still a lot of football left to play. I'm curious about how MVP is coming along to you and kind of where the horses are at. So before the Philadelphia Eagles lost their first game, I actually had Jalen Hurts just ahead of Mahomes. I think the undefeated season at the time really played into what Hurts was doing, but they lost that game. I know they've only lost one game, but that was really riding as a positive for Jalen Hurts. While the numbers for Hurts have been very impressive to what I think we all expected to, to happen for him, they're not Mahomes level. They just aren't. Uh, this is Patrick, Patrick Mahomes' MVP season to lose. We've seen time and time again Mahomes dragging the Chiefs to a victory. We have not seen that a ton from Jalen Hurts. As good as Jalen Hurts has been, frankly, they haven't really needed to, but it does feel like a knock against him. I mean, how many times have we seen Mahomes do that? Come back, a, a game-winning drive, doing something spectacular. Uh, Jalen Hurts had a chance. Sure, part of it's on his team. The fumble that his receiver coughed up on the 15-yard line against Washington, but he had another chance, and it didn't get done. Yeah, That, to me, was one of the deal breakers right there. You have to be a guy who the team looks at and leans on to take you over the top. So for me, it's Mahomes, clear gap, then Jalen Hurts. Uh, Josh Allen's play over the past few weeks has been very lackluster, to put it mildly. I think Tua Tugavaloa, the fact he's not lost a game he started is very impressive, but that also is a double-edged sword. He's, he missed a few games. So some of the counting stats will not be there. Uh, maybe he's third at this point, but right now it's clearly Mahomes in my eyes. Yeah, I, um, I want to go to some of the comments here. Jerome Bunker says, it would be a crime – when we look back and Patrick only has a couple of MVPs, you know, I have, I, like I, I brought that up. I think that's a good point by Jerome. And I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing shameful about winning two MVPs. Like that's a good, that's a great career. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, it's hardware that lasts forever. But I remember thinking in some of these years where Mahomes has come up like number two or number three over the last couple of years, like let's say Lamar Jackson wins or something. And then I just think, man, it just sucks that Mahomes isn't like because you want him to be remembered as like a potential goat. I mean, like really, it's like Brady, Mahomes. Like you want him on that level. The Super Bowls have to be a part of it, but also the individual hardware. And if there's like you know, no one remembers like, oh, well, it was almost Mahomes that year, kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it, it makes me want to. Uh, like want to see him get it in this kind of a year where there's no other clear favorite. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I do think something that actually plays into his favor for once for once Tyreek Hill's gone. He's yeah. gone. Right. All right. offseason the chatter was is Mahomes or the chiefs offense. What's going to happen. Yeah. They're fine. They're nine and two first place in the AFC West first place in the AFC. 
it's just incredible. That has to play in Mahomes' favor. I know That's some of the true. national media, you have that Mahomes fatigue because you're always talking about him. It happens, you know, with Michael Jordan. It happens with LeBron James. It happens uh, with basically any sport. Tom Brady, even to an extent, right? You find ways to discredit greatness. But yeah. at this point, you can't discredit Patrick Mahomes. What he's done is prove all of the doubters wrong. Yeah. Mike Taverner Media says, if Mahomes goes for 404 TDs this weekend, which would be incredible, by the way, the MVP is on lockdown. Yes, this early. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, if he, to me, the Bengals, and we'll talk about this in a second. To me, this weekend's game is the toughest game remaining on the slate. It means a lot in the AFC. It means a lot for momentum right when it counts. It means a lot for getting rid of some of the, you know, if, 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 well, we can talk about all that that game means in a second. Um, but I will say, yeah, you're totally right. If Mahomes comes up with a big performance on the road at Cincinnati, that's a big, big deal, a very big deal um, in my book. Let's get into the tight end room because I think it's fair to bring up is this the best tight end group the Chiefs have had? Yeah, I, look, I, um, top to bottom. I mean, yeah, yes, yes, for sure. And I like. Let me say this: when I was watching, I've thought this like the last three games, and I think those are really the games that we've seen Noah Gray. I mean, I mean the Chiefs are playing more in in thirteen personnel and like twelve and thirteen than 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 ever before. That just means they're having two tight ends and three tight ends on the field at the same time, they're making room for their tight ends in the offense, even though they have wide receivers and, and, or even though they could go two backs of whatever it is, they're just going with one running back and two tight ends or three tight ends because the room is that talented and the coaches are adjusting accordingly. And as we've seen, remember that, remember when Jody Fortson caught that like 40 something yard. I mean, it was a dime from Mahomes, but it was an incredible catch too. Noah Gray has come up really big at key times, even if it gets called back because of a penalty, like the touchdown on Sunday. And there have been moments where I've been watching these guys thinking Jody Fortson would be like a fantasy favorite on another team. Noah Gray would be like put alongside like TJ Hawkinson and some others in terms of like great ascending tight ends. If he wasn't stuck behind Travis Kelsey. That's pretty bold. I don't know if I'm ready to go there. <laughs> I mean, I think he has excellent hands. I, th- I think yeah, I remember talking to, to Duke's head coach when he came out and he said, look, any weakness that kid has, you tell him it's a weakness, he'll make it not a weakness. And he just talked about him as the most adaptable, coachable kid he had saying, look, this guy's work ethic like refuses to quit. And so all he needs is time with the Chiefs to be coached up. And he, like his stock would elevate just that much more. So I th- I just think we've seen that. These guys are better blockers than they were. The passing is great. They're well-rounded. And Andy Reid's making room for them on a, on a very regular basis. So I say all that to say when I'm watching these guys, I'm just thinking here's three legit NFL starters, and they're all – like two of them are stuck behind the greatest of all time. Like it, it's just really an incredible – room and and the job done by John Dorsey and Brett Veach and the overall staff members that they've had in that front office have put together something very special at that position. 
Yeah, and you've seen the glimpses when given opportunity. That Jody Fortson catch, I, I think, just screams the talent is there. You're just behind Travis Kelsey. Uh, Noah Gray, I, I, I'm not ready to say TJ Hawkinson or one of the best ascending young tight ends in the NFL, but what I will say is, is your point and the Dupes head coach point, the growth has been noticeable, especially in aspects where he was known to not have a strength there. Blocking. That was one of the biggest knocks and why the Chiefs kept and re-signed Blake Bell. We were nervous about the loss of Blake Bell. Yeah. But at multiple times this season, I'm not saying Noah Gray's as good of a blocker as Blake Bell is. That, I, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is it's been better than expected. He's grown there. It, yeah. It's no longer a, man, we, we don't trust you know, Noah Gray here because we, we think he's going to get cooked. He, he's putting his body on the line. Let me ask you this. If Blake Bell's health, healthy, if he can come back, what happens? I, I, do, I don't know how there's room for him. I don't. And, and that's not anything to do with Blake Bell. It's just like Noah Gray has become that much better of a blocker. Jody Fortson has become much more well-rounded than, oh, a nice big end zone target. I mean, like, He's a guy who can burn. I mean, he just went downfield for, you know, like these, these guys are great all around players or they're turning into great all around players. And I just don't know why the chiefs would mess with that. This is really something. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Do you not think they'd be stars on other teams or at least like, like what do you think their ceiling would be on another team? I, I don't think stars, but I do think useful players. I think starters, I think again, if they were legitimate superstar tight end prospects, you know, if it is TJ Hawkinson or whoever you want to use, they, they'd find ways to get him on the field more often. That's my personal opinion, especially right. with some of the injuries at wide receiver. I think they're very good tight ends are very, very good for what they can provide, but I don't know if they're necessarily every down look at them for 10 receptions and a hundred yards type of game wide receivers. That's my personal opinion. They're good. But I don't think they're, they're, they're necessarily elite or the potential is there to be the next Travis Kelsey. But I don't, that, but that's not Hawkinson either, right? Sure, I mean, sure, correct. Yes. I guess I'm saying I think Gray or Forson on another team has five to 600 reception, five to, five to 600 receiving yards in a given year as, as a solid part of the offense. And to me, I mean, that's where I think a lot of those guys are hovering around. Maybe so, Hayden Hurst. Maybe Hayden Hurst, I think I could probably get behind. I, I like Hayden Hurst a lot. That's not a uh, not a dig at all. Hayden Hurst has 46 receptions this year, 388 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Hayden yeah, Hurst has been really solid for, for Cincinnati this season. Yeah, so he'll finish right around there, right? Yeah. So I, I think Gray could be that kind of guy. I think Forson could be that kind of guy. And um, we're just lucky that we're just lucky the Chiefs have him, is is basically what we're saying. And then of course there's Travis Kelsey, who's on pace for <laughs> Who's on pace for 19 touchdowns, 19 touchdowns. He has what 12 touchdowns. Russell Wilson has thrown eight, 1.5 times the amount of touchdowns as a quarterback. That's crazy. You lose Tyreek Hill. Every, every opposing team, which by the way, has been a difficult schedule. Every, every opposing team knows you are the guy. Everything is going through you. He has the Mahomes has the chemistry with you, Kelsey. And Kelsey is doing it better than ever this year. I, the fact that he's having a career year by by many metrics is astounding to me in a career that's already astounding for its durability and productivity. Uh, it, it's, it's amazing. 
I don't want to get into this much because I, I've done it before with Adam Best. It's it's not enjoyable in my eyes, always going, who's best, who's best, who's best. That's not what I'm trying to do here, but I want to put some perspective into this. Rob Gronkowski is the same age as Travis Kelsey. Rob Gronkowski is retired. Travis Kelsey is having his best season. That's wild. Take that as you will, but that's wild. a wild, that's a wild stat. It's incredible. The the longevity of Travis Kelsey is phenomenal. It's not quite Tony G longevity, but it's starting to trend that way. Uh, I see all these other fan bases in the chat right now. We've seen Raiders fans. Congratulations on your four and seven season. Uh, we're seeing the Cincinnati fans. You know what? Congratulations. You're having a nice bounce back year after your Super Bowl appearance. I'll give you credit. I have to eat Skyline Chili next week before that game. So uh, I can't talk too much smack to the Cincy fan. Uh, Bills fan, you know what happened? Y'all have fallen off hard, hard. Maybe listen when we say Josh Allen, give him some help. Don't let him run 84% of your offense. Slow down, Bills. Come on, Bills fan. You're better than this. Uh, Go jump through a table or something. Uh, Let's get into our early Bengals thoughts. This has been the one team that has truthfully, at least last year, had the Chiefs number. There's no denying it. The Cincinnati Bengals, they beat Kansas City twice. Give them credit, okay? Give them credit. What I will say is this is a completely different Chiefs secondary. No more Dan Sorensen. Tyron Matthew, right? I love Trevarius Ward, but he, he got cooked that game, right? That that There's no denying it. I love Trevarius. He, he didn't stand a chance. The Chiefs are not turning or getting as many turnovers as they have in past seasons, but guess what? They're not giving up as many big plays What killed the Chiefs against the Bengals? Big plays. I think we're not going to see Jamar Chase go off for a 75-yard reception again. We're not going to see T. Higgins or or Tyler Boyd all of a sudden pop off. I'm very much impressed with how Kansas City has has regrouped and retooled their secondary and focused on not giving up these big plays. Yeah, I mean, look, let's, let's talk the Bengals. Let's look at last season real fast. Last year, the Bengals were down at at the and going into halftime in both games, the Chiefs were up by a combined like 29 points. It was like 49 to 20 total. And then somehow the Chiefs lose both those games because they came out and just played horrible in the second half. The Chiefs mustered three points, three points in both second halves. Both second halves. Normally you trust the Chiefs coaches at halftime to be the ones. To, to make the slight adjustments to come in communicate about what players are seeing and then and then make the requisite adjustments and then come out and then and then like oh here they go now you know we saw Spags was allowing this to happen in the first half but now this the Bengals were the ones who flipped the tables on the Chiefs last year in that same way that could either be scary or you look and you say what burned the Chiefs last year a slow defense all over the place on all three levels. The team was slower. The team was older. And those same guys are now they've, they've been replaced by younger guys with better stamina. If Sorensen was frustrating during the regular season, he was three times as much by the time the postseason had drunk around and it was, and it was in the middle of winter and he's still playing those kind of reps. Right. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I just think, I think this whole defensive turnaround this year was about 
yeah, since he's not doing that ever again to us. Um, and and credit to Cincy, like the Chiefs have to prove that that can change on the field because the Bengals outright owned him last year. It, it was true in that way. That said, I don't think the Bengals have it in them to do it this Sunday. What do you make of this matchup with last year's history shading over it all? Well, I just think it's funny. Jamar Chase all of a sudden couldn't couldn't suit up last week. Suiting up this week. Joe Mixon, this week. Both teams were looking forward to this matchup. The Bengals yeah. were by resting those guys, and the Chiefs were. They sleepwalk against the against the, the Rams. And they could. Frankly, that, that helped Kansas City. They, they did not have to play their A game. They kept it very bland. They stalled in the red zone. But I, I'll give the Rams credit because their defense is still legitimately good, and that's where they excel. But the Chiefs kept it bland. They wanted to get out without injury so they could be healthy and be ready to face the Bengals. I am stoked for this game. Patrick Mahomes and the rest of this team, they've talked about this game multiple times now. How often do you hear Andy Reid probably won't say anything, but how often do you hear the other players talk about a specific opponent? Normally it's like, it's just another week. We don't know who we play next week. You know, I I know we're playing this week. Don't know about next week. No, they're all like, yeah, it's the Bengals. We're playing Cincy. They know this. And and I think it's going to be fun to watch because Mahomes, when he has this pissed off attitude, when he has the little petty Patrick going on, you're in for a show. Do you think we're in for a showdown, right? Like, because both times, um, like in both meetings last year, it was what a three point game mm-hmm. both times, right? The, the, the Bengals are one of the few teams that have the horses to keep up with Kansas city. And I don't know about you, but I can't think of another team that has Boyd is great. T Higgins would be, wide receiver one on half of the teams in the NFL and then chase add chase to that. I mean, it's a, it's a group to be jealous of for sure. For sure. Do you think we're going to see the sort of five to 10 lead changes, you know, like just a kind of a hold your breath kind of game? Yeah, I do think it's gonna be very, very close. I, I, I'm interested to see how it shakes. I don't think the chief, I think the chief's defense is legitimately good. Again, I think we're not going to see as many big plays given up, so maybe we see some longer extended drives. So we might see a slightly lower scoring game than we're expecting, or at least than the majority of folks are expecting. The Bengals' offensive line, while improved, still not great. Chris Jones should have a field day. Uh, We said that last two times they played, Chris Jones did not have a field day. But Chris Jones this season looks different. The consistency to me is what's really standing out for, for Chris because over the past few seasons, we've always talked about how good Chris Jones is in spurts or in certain games and certain stretches, but we've seen it the entire season. He's found a way to make an impact in every single game. So I think that continues. Uh, Frank Clark, believe it or not, had a very fine season when healthy uh, while the, the sack numbers are not going to wow you by any, by any stretch of the imagination. He's making an impact in the game, as well as George Karloff is finally getting his first complete full sack last week. Carlos Dunlap's been a nice addition. I think he's been better overall than Melvin Ingram was last year for Kansas City. Uh, Colin Saunders has kind of cooled down the hype around him, not as hot as it was a few weeks ago. But the defensive line has really stepped up. Uh, Nick Bolton and Willie Gay Jr. being healthy, having another season together under their belt. That should slow down, you would imagine, Joe Mixon. And then the secondary, I mentioned it. 
This is a completely retooled secondary. They're younger, they're faster, they're willing tacklers. Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, they'll get theirs. Don't get me wrong. They will get theirs. But if you don't give the big play, they're going to make it a dogfight. It's going to be physical. I'm fully expecting that. Uh, And that comes down to, can the Chiefs score enough? And I think they can. I think it's going to be a close game, but it might be lower scoring than most folks think. You think both defenses come up a little bit bigger than, than teams think? Yeah, I do. Or people think. Interesting. Yeah, I don't I don't know what to expect. I do think I think this is the hurdle. I think if you get past the Bengals, nothing else is even really all that remotely worrisome whatsoever on the rest of the schedule. I mean, if you're quaking in your boots about the Seattle Seahawks, you have a lot of other problems that that we should be talking about and we're not. So yeah, I mean to me, like this is kind of it. And I think the Chiefs know. Look, we own our own destiny, and here's the biggest hurdle. And I think you have like a well-coached, experienced team led by the best quarterback in the game is going to know that and rise up to meet that very challenge. Is there a certain matchup you're most looking forward to in this game? Because for me, it's going to be Joshua Williams. Whoever he's going up against, he's probably the what the biggest bodied corner on this team right yes. now. Yes. Is he going to be on Jamar Chase? Is he going to be on, you know, T. Higgins? Who, who is he going up against? Because Trent McDuffie, as great as he is so far, small sample size, but as good as he's looked as a rookie so far, the knock against him was his size. He does use a fantastic job of, of using the sideline, his smarts to really impact the game. But him going up against Jamar Chase, those 50-50 balls, like we saw last year, Jamar's probably coming down with them. Do you think we see Joshua Williams, the bigger-bodied corner, on Jamar? I think you could at times. I I think what's important to note about McDuffie though is that is that last year when the Bengals played the Chiefs twice, there wasn't a there wasn't a single corner with the instincts with the fluid hips who like there wasn't a single corner who like rides the hips of the opposing receiver like McDuffie can and can mirror him all the way down the field. And so I I think a lot of those ways in which like they're excellent receivers. McDuffie has that like elite ceiling, like their receivers have that sort of ceiling. So I think a lot of what like Charverius Ward became, I think you can say this. I think you can say that Charverius Ward became very good within the Chiefs system. And then he went to he, San he, He's looking pretty good in San Fran, man. And and he went to a team that plays the same way that allows him to still stay very good. I don't know that Charverius Ward would be a very good corner on every NFL team. I think Trent McDuffie would be a great ceiling corner on 32 NFL teams. And I think that makes the kind of difference here if he has that kind of a ceiling, like that kind of a a ceiling going against the Bengals. He can respond to certain plays in which Ward could not, that were like game-changing sorts of plays is what I'm saying. And then you add to that the depth and the youth and the way this unit has played overall. Justin Reed is playing his best football right now. Brian Cook looked good coming in for Juan Thornhill. Um, Joshua Williams, we've you know we've just talked about him. I think a lot of guys are playing very good football right now. Carl Loftus had his best game, I thought, uh, you know, last week. So um, yeah, we're we're just seeing good plays up up and down the line. To me, it's, though, it's Chris Jones. It, it's all about Chris Jones versus the interior. He's having a hell of a year. He's having a 
truly disruptive season. He knows this one's for all the marbles. He enters officially on a national level, the conversation for defensive player of the year. If he shows up and rattles Joe Burrow, right? Yeah, no, I I think he, in my opinion, should win defensive player of the year. But if he goes out on this stage against Joe Burrow, all eyes are on these two teams because everyone knows what's at stake, right? It should be a fantastic game, a great game. By the way, week 13, was the NFL just waiting to put all of the good games together for this week? Like the entire season, we've been sitting here going like, man, this is going to be a horrible game. This is brutal. (laughs) And then this year, this this week is like, oh my gosh, everywhere you look, it's going to be an interesting, entertaining game. Uh, But yes, I'm with you. If Chris Jones shows out, I think he keeps on his way to a defensive player of the year award. Uh, Couple of super chats I want to get to. Evan Gabrielson, love the pod. I'll be going to the game in Cincy this week. Super excited. Can't wait right. to see y'all at Tanner's in a couple of weeks. Evan, can't wait to see you. Have fun in Cincy. I actually love Cincinnati. Great town. Uh, fun. I think their stadium's, I think it's pretty as far as the location, being on the water right there. I think it's kind of neat. Uh, and then uh, Rhino says, when is the last time a regular season MVP went to the Super Bowl, let alone won it? I thought it was Kurt Warner, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was Kurt Warner. Uh, it was a long time ago. Not not anytime soon. I would prefer the Super Bowl over an MVP, but this could be the first time it's happened in a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, hey, by the way, Evan is right. Uh, seeing you at Tanner's in a couple of weeks. Uh, we, uh, I'm looking forward to meeting Evan. Certainly that's the case for, for all of our members um, and anyone else who wants to join us. That's going to be a great time. Let me get your final prediction since we won't talk again before – before Sunday, what's your official prediction for Chiefs Bengals? Let's go with a 27-24 victory for Kansas City. I feel like the over-under, I've not looked at the spread, so maybe I'm, I'm still on the over, but I feel like a lot of folks are going to have this as a 54, 53, 52-and-a-half-point game. I think 27-24, uh, Versine Bucker start to get his groove back. I had a chance to talk to Nick Lowry. Uh, actually today I'll be playing it on sports radio, eight ten later tonight. If any of you all listening, when I listen to Nick Lowry and myself, he, he thinks, you know, Harrison Bucker's not a hundred percent back, but he's getting close. Some of the little nuances that kickers, that kickers notice, but starting to get that groove. Um, I think Buck could be the, the, the game winning factor in this one. That would be great to see. And uh, that would feel so good for Bucker. Who's had a tough year early on to have that sort of like, Oh yeah, I'm back. And I've even like had a big moment for my team. Uh, I I love that idea. Uh, Yeah. I'm I'm with you. I think the chiefs win. I think the chiefs win by a full touchdown. Um, So I'm, I'm going to go 36 to 29 chiefs uh, and and leave it at that. Can, Can I play a game with you really quickly? Since we were talking about Russell Wilson earlier on, let's do it. Let's play a game. Okay. Okay, this is a fun game. If you didn't want to chime in in the in the chat, feel free. This is going to be fun for you guys as well. I'm going to give you player A and player B. You figure out who's player A and who is player player B. All right, you ready? Stop. Okay, player A uh, completion percentage fifty five point six percent, touchdown percentage two point one, interceptions five. Uh, let's go yards per attempt six, yards per catch, aka his receivers twelve point two. QBR of 44.4 and a passer rating of 72.6. All right. I will also mention that player is five and two in their starts. Five and two in their starts. This player year? B- yes, this year. This is this year. Player B, 
58.9% completion percentage. Touchdown percentage of 2.4, so just slightly higher. Yards per attempt, 7.1. But yards per catch, 12, so just under. Uh, QB rate, 82.3. But QBR, right, passer rating was higher. But QBR, 32.2, a full 12 points lower than player A. Who's player B? Who's player A? Zach Wilson. Is which one? Got to be the first one, right? Correct. Ding, ding, ding. Zach Wilson's player A. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming you're going to say Josh Allen. Player B is Russell Wilson. Or Russ Wilson, yeah. Sorry, we're talking about Russ Wilson and I. This is a Wilson versus Wilson off. Both have been horrendous. But just to put in perspective how bad Russell Wilson has been, Zach Wilson has been benched. Zach Wilson, the young 23-year-old, in his second season has a higher QBR by 12 points than the 34-year-old massive contract of Russell Wilson, the guy that everyone was touting was going to save the Broncos. They were just a quarterback away. Maybe they were. It's not Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, barely above Zach Wilson in a lot of stats. Just let that sink in. Let that sink in. Zach Wilson's been horrible. Russell Wilson, just as bad. If you're the Broncos, what what do you even begin to do? Do you fire Hackett and go one more year – hoping you're healthier and a better coach at least makes Russ look not so bad. Is that what you do? I mean, you're so limited by what you can even do. And by the way, I would much rather have player a, a guy in his second season, a guy who's on a rookie contract, a guy who you didn't have to give up a ton, a ton, a ton of draft capital to, to get obviously to use some because the draft pick itself. I mean, that's just putting into perspective what Verderam said the other day, Look at the contract. Look what was given up. And you're getting Zach Wilson production in return. Yeah, I agree. I... By the way, Elizabeth Reed, thank you so much for the, su- for the super chat. That is incredibly, incredibly kind of you. That is so nice. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. By the way, we love anyone named Reed here anyway. So that was like a bonus on a bonus. Um, there's also Arvidas Sabonis. Anyway, um, that's a good NBA joke, right? Well, one, one, of the, one of the few guys who ever had a chance against Shaq. Come on now. I love Arvita Sabonis. That guy yeah. was a legend for Portland. He came overseas too late or came from overseas to the United States too late. He was like 34 with no knees, and he was still the only guy who could give Shaq trouble. Love Arvita Sabonis. And his son, Demonta Sabonis, doing a fine job for the Sacramento Kings. That's good. You got some good NBA knowledge there, my friend. I'm I worked for the Sixers for three years. I love the NBA, man. And you, you, you uh, surprised me every week. Um, all right, folks. Before we get out of here, we um, we want to do what we always do, which is to uh, give a, our must list for the week. It's the moment just at the end of a show where Sterling, myself, and our producer Richard all weigh in with something we want to recommend. It's our free service to you. <laughs> um, Talking about what we want. Richard, you there? I'm here, guys. What's up? Hello, viewers. Hello, podcast listeners. Here's a little special sound effect for the podcast listeners. That was a good one, right? Richard, we'll have you go first. What's on your must list for this week? Yeah, let's get this out of the way before I lag out. Uh, On my must list this week, we're going to recommend Memphis, Tennessee's very own Big Star. Most especially their first album, number one record. You know what? It wasn't a number one record. They only sold about 10,000 copies, but it's a number one record in my heart. It's got a lot of hits. It even answers the age-old question of what are the lyrics to the 70s show theme song? So yeah, if you ever want to check out a dope little record from 
Big Star, check out number one record. Dude, Alex Chilton. Alex Chilton, Chris Bell. Have you seen that uh, documentary that came out a couple years ago? I'm not going to lie that that was actually my first time like listening and, and just knowing about Big Star. Because I, I was a fan of Elliot Smith. I had an ex-girlfriend who said, you'd probably like Big Star. I never listened to Big Star up until I watched that documentary one day. It's a great doc. It's a great doc. It is. Although I forget the name of it. I think it's like Nothing Can Hurt me or something like that. Something. Yeah. Hey, I'll, I'll go next. I just watched a great, um, have you guys heard of the wonder it's on Netflix, like a new film. I think it just came out like a couple weeks ago. Um, anyway, there's like, uh, it's like set in like, uh, last century in the middle of Ireland and, uh, uh, like a, a young Catholic teen is able to live miraculously without eating for four months. And then it's like, it's like part, like kind of suspense and kind of, I don't know. It, it's almost, it almost has like an M night Shyamalan feel to it. Like this, like you ever see the village, like sort yeah. of that like, old, like creepy. We, it's got some of that going on, but um, man, it is a, it was a killer movie. I just love the whole thing. It's like a, it's like almost great cultural commentary. Plus like just a great suspense film. It's awesome. Anyway, it's called the wonder. You'll love it. Dude, I was about to rip on you, but it actually sounds cool. I was about to rip on you and be like, well, you know why I know about the NBA too? Because I don't watch shows like that, but now I'm intrigued and now I feel like a buffoon. So thanks for making me feel like an idiot more than normal, Matt. More than normal. Um, yeah, I'm happy to do so. Sterling, what's on your <laughs> list, my man? Uh, I have Robert Randolph and the family band, their album, Colorblind. I Slaps. love Slaps. I love Robert Randolph and the family band. They are so good. Uh, you know, most people probably know uh, a song or two by them, but man, just listen to them top to bottom. That album is so incredible. I promise it won't let you down. Get a, get a Casey beer, get some nice speakers, throw on some Robert Randolph and the family band. You're chilling. You're having a good evening. Yeah, if you've never heard Robert Randolph, it's like the kitchen sink, man. It's like it's like funk, soul, rock, gospel. I mean, it's like it's the whole deal. What a great time. Plus, they're, have you seen them live? I've not, actually. Surprisingly, that's one of the few bands that I've really wanted to see and have not seen. I'm Plus really bummed I've not. Yeah, my dad always says they're a blast. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, well, folks, it seems like some of you in the uh, – in the chat, uh, appreciate some of these things. So we're glad. But if you haven't heard or watched or listened to them, feel free to do so. Let us know what you think. By the way, just want to remind you, we'll be there in a couple weeks in Kansas City, Tanner's Barn Grill, arrowheadaddict.com slash events. We'll give you all the information. We'd love to just hang out and chat about Chiefs and life and drink good beer and meet good people. So uh, for Sterling Holmes, for Richard Producer, that's his official last name. My name is Matt Connor. We'll, uh, we're always uh, happy to, to hear from you guys during the week and whatnot, so make sure to let us know what you think in the comments. Give us a big thumbs up on the like part of YouTube, and we're out of here. Go Chiefs!
McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Hamburglar, the time is yours. Bravo, bravo. He said, these are McDonald's best burgers ever. And then, can I keep them? And then he just grabbed them and ran away. Brubble. Now get a Big Mac or double cheeseburger for two bucks in the app. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Must opt into rewards. Visit McD app for details. Available at most restaurants in this area. Comparison of McDonald's classic burgers to prior burgers. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.